Hey everyone, welcome to the Steadfast Podcast. Glad you could join us again. We at church, at the Steadfast Church, as we march on our journey towards Easter, I often encourage those at the church to participate in fasting. A fasting can be fasting from anything, whatever, wherever uh, the Lord's leading your heart. Some people do it from food. Um, some people do it from television. Some people do it from many different things. My son last year did it from sugar. He didn't have any sugar from uh, the 40 days leading up to Easter, February up until Easter. With that said, I have already decided what I'm going to do as far as fasting. And I've actually already started, even though we're a little early compared to uh, what we usually start our 40-day lead-up at Easter. I have decided personally to fast from news. Um, so what from time to time happens in, in my life is sometimes when I'm working, I'll have news uh, on in the background. Um online news, sometimes his channel, something I trust in. But for this period of time, up and through Easter, I'm not going to view news. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm just going to stay, take that time and, and rather focus on what is God doing. That really should be the focus anyways. With that say, being said, um, part of this program when we started was to have a news segment where we just kept you up to date of stuff we're keeping an eye on compared to what the Bible has to say. And I really believe we are to seek the Lord and where he would have us to be led and, and be able to change where, wherever, he's, where he, wherever he's leading us. And in this season, I have decided that uh, right now we're just going to go straight Bible. And uh, maybe some someday down the road, we'll bring back the, the news part if uh, he uh, calls us to. But uh, I want to have more emphasis on the word, and uh, we're going to just jump right in. So we're going to be in the book of Job this evening. Job was an upright man, according to God. A man that shewed evil, stayed away from it. A man that did right. And when these sons of God, sons of God was as a uh, biblical word, in the Old Testament, speaking of angels, when the angels were assembled before God one day, including Satan, Satan says to God, after God said, has he considered my servant Job? Because Satan was going to, to and fro throughout the earth. Have you considered him? How upright he is. And Satan says, God, the only reason he serves you because all you ever do is bless him. 
take the blessings away and he'll certainly curse you to your face. Well, Job didn't. Satan came against his family, came against his stuff, took his wealth, took basically everything, humanly speaking, away from him. And Job said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He still worshiped God. I was naked when I came into this world. Naked I should go. I didn't come into this world in anything. Well, then Satan comes against him again. And God said, and he said, hey, God, if you do something to his skin, skin for skin, he certainly will curse you to your face. So God allowed Satan to come against him. Only he couldn't take his life. And there were boils from head to toe all over his body, excruciating pain. And Job still didn't come against God. See, Job's main issue, as we've been going back and forth through the scripture here, Job's main issue is he doesn't sense God anymore. Where are you, God? He wants to know the why of what's happening, but the biggest thing is, I look around, but I don't see you. I don't sense you the way I once did. And his friends, if you want to call them friends, his so-called associates, associates actually the Hebrew word, they have this elementary type philosophy of what life is like, cause and effect. Remember, we're learning cause and effect in school, right? And there is an aspect of cause and effect and uh, reaping and sowing. But that kind of theology takes the sovereignty away from God. So they, they, they said, hey, Job, you're in this situation because you had to have done something. If you didn't sin, you wouldn't be, wouldn't be like this. Now, Elihu spoke up last week. And he was actually the most reasonable, a young guy. He said, people suffer for many reasons, Job. No, you could be suffering for many reasons. You could be suffering because God is keeping you from something worse, keeping you from heading down another path by putting this obstacle in your way. Sometimes he's trying to work something out in your life, get you somewhere. Elihu was pretty smart there. But Elihu also came against Job, rightly so, because Job is saying, God has judged me unfairly. Job wants to spend time with God in his courtroom wants to take God to court and that he would be vindicated. And Elihu says, if you were able to take him to court, what would you even say? I mean, the, the, the sun itself, you can't even look at the sun because it's too bright and you have to look away. If that's the case with the sun, God's glory is way bigger than that. How are you going to stand and speak before God? What are you going to say? And as Elihu is... Uh, Laying his declarations out before Job, a storm begins to approach. And, to, and Elihu uses the storm to, to, to speak his declarations and use it as an example. The storm that's going to be approaching, none other than God, will be in the storm. Book of Job, not about the why. Why do we suffer? Why does this happen? That's not the answer. And that's not what anybody needs to know. Sometimes we get the answer. A lot of times we don't. But what we need is what Job needs. And he needs to know the who. He needs revelation. Because with revelation, 
changes our whole perspective. Job's needs will be answered as a storm comes, and here comes God's presence. Job chapter 38. Then the Lord, Yahweh, this is actually uh, the first time we see Yahweh in this book. Up to this point, whenever they spoke of God, they spoke of him as Shaddai or Elohim. God, Elohim meaning God, Shaddai meaning the one who suffices, the Almighty. Now, it says the Lord. It says Yahweh, Jehovah here. The Lord answered Job. Out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Interesting how God appears in the whirlwind. Now, it's probably not a full blown out hurricane happening here because you probably be hard to really have a conversation or understand although God could do what he wants to do but but there's some kind of whirlwind some kind of a storm a tempest in the uh, Hebrew language that has taken place and God's going to manifest himself in this storm God often has done that in the Old Testament you see, God, Yahweh, he is spirit. It's not flesh and blood. Jesus put on flesh, right? The God-man. But Yahweh, Jehovah, the Father, he, he is spirit. God is spirit. The only one that can have access to him is those that worship him in spirit and truth. Not with just some kind of bodily outward connection, but there has to be an inward connection. So God's being spirit makes manifestations in the Old Testament, in, often in whirlwinds. Um, it's going to meet Moses when we get there in a, in a burning bush, right? Yet the bush doesn't burn up. He, he, he often has manifested so through some kind of storm. So out of the tempest, God says, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Now, who's he speaking to here? He didn't say, hey, Job. And he didn't say, hey, Elihu. Or any of the other three friends. Who is he speaking to? We don't know. Personally, I think he's speaking to Job. Why I think he's speaking to Job? Because Job's the only one who wanted to talk with God. He's the only one you see throughout. That, yeah, all the other friends are talking about God. But you don't see anywhere recorded where they're crying out to God, reaching out to God. Job has never stopped doing that. And God, to those that want to have a conversation with them, have a relationship with them, those are the ones God's going to answer. But either way, God is saying, who's coming here and speaking without knowledge? 
Job indeed did so. He had a lot of wisdom throughout. And we see little spots of revelation, right? He'll be down in the dumps and all of a sudden, way high. As he says, I know my Redeemer lives and one day I'll see him face to face. We see bits of revelation throughout. But Job has indeed said some things that weren't right. They had, they had said some things that were darkened counsel. What was the darkened counsel of Job? Some of the things Job was saying cast doubt about God's fairness. It simply weren't true. God is absolutely fair. The truth is all of us deserve to go to hell. They're based on what we've done. The sin nature we're born with, but also the sins that we choose to do, have chosen to do. God is nothing but fair. And Job has darkened his counsel. Job has said, I want to go before God and, and go before his court that I may be vindicated. I'll say some things to him and uh, he'll answer and say, yeah, you, you haven't done anything. What really can he say? We're going to find out because God's coming right here. What is Job going to be able to say? Job darkened the counsel of God. Instead of speaking light, he should have just spoke light. Even though you've got to go put yourself in Job's shoes. What, what would we do if all our kids were killed? And then you have a wife that says, curse God and die. And you have friends that just rebuke him when you haven't done anything wrong. What would you do? Not an excuse for Job, but you understand where he's coming from. And he should have spoke light. The truth is Job is just as ignorant as his friends on the why. Job has no clue why this is happening to him, neither does his friends, although they went back and forth and exhausted man's wisdom to try to figure it out. Much that the friend said was speculation. But also, much of what Job has said is speculation as well, out of his pain and suffering. I think Job at times was convinced that he was wise and saying very wise things. But not so. Job wanted to meet before God, and when he's hoping, he wants God to say, Hey, Job, you're right. Your friends are wrong, and you're right. You're vindicated. That's not going to happen here. Now, I don't believe God expects us to understand the behind the scenes. Okay, he's not expecting Job to understand, hey, me and Satan had a thing, um, and I'm, I'm doing this to prove you out, Job. I'm teaching the angels a lesson. He's not expecting Job to know that. That has not been revealed to him. Just like many things that happen in our world, the different trials we go through, the testing, the suffering, living in this world that's lost. Some things just don't make sense. And some things we, we don't understand why. And God doesn't expect us to understand what's happening behind the scenes. But 
what he does expect and what we should know because the scripture tells us so. We should know that there is a behind the scenes, that a behind the scenes exists, that there is a spiritual realm, that there are principalities of darkness out there doing things. And, and God is doing things in this realm that we don't see. Job didn't understand, but he should understand that God is able. Verse 3 says, Gird up now your loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. So God says to Job, hey, gird up your loins. In the Hebrew, it says, belt you. In other words, take that strap, that belt, and put it on tight. Gird up your loins. This is what they would do. They'd have these long um, outer garments. They would hike up the bottom, tuck them into the belt, if they ever wanted to run or, or, or do, do something physical, something that's going to take some work. Okay? It's like, tighten your belt. It's time to get going. That's what God says. Gird up your loins. Tighten it up. You want to wrestle with God? Yeah, you want to come before me in my court? You want to go back and forth, Job? You want to wrestle with God? Pick up your garments now. Let's go. You want to plead your case? I'm going to start in this courtroom. I'm going to start. And if anything's left, you'll have a chance to answer for it. But I'm going to start. And I'm not here. And I'm going to start and pull up what you've done. See, I, I don't think this is as much of a rebuke as sometimes we read the book of Job. I see, hey, God's going to really give it to him. I think God is loving Job. And he's not going to bring up the sin. You won't see that. But what he is going to do is answer some questions. He's going to ask some questions, actually. He's going to ask 70 plus questions, between 70 and 77 questions. They're all going to be questions that you can't answer. They're unanswerable. And basically, God's going to lay out who he is. And this revelation is what Job needs. He's not there to humiliate Job. He's there to give him revelation of who God is. Verse 4. It says, Where was you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. Where were you, Job? Um, I didn't even exist. Exactly. Where were you, Job? I'm the creator. You're man. And he goes on and says, answer thou me. Okay, where were you? Answer. I'm the creator. You're a man. Okay. You're, you're so wise. Give me some knowledge. You answer me. Oh, that's right. You can't. You weren't there. I mean, there's been a lot of guesses throughout history of what's going on with this earth. I mean, there have been beliefs, assumptions made, just like Job has made assumptions, just like friends have made assumptions. There are assumptions by different places around the world. Some believe the earth was held up by a turtle. On the back of an elephant, some believe. Some have believed the world is flat. Now, those kind of things today to us seem really, really ridiculous, right? How did anybody ever think that? 
It's no more ridiculous than the thought of evolution. And if somebody came to this passage we're going to read today with an open heart and open mind and read exactly what God's saying here, he reveals who he is and his genius and his creation. Nobody can read this honestly and be for the theory of evolution because this just magnifies who God is and his magnificence. Verse 5 says, I'm going to keep relaying the questions. Who has laid the measures thereof? If thou knowest, or who has stretched the line upon it? Where were you when I when I built this thing? In fact, I made everything for, for you, Joe. I made everything for mankind. When I when I laid out this whole planet, not just this planet, but the whole universe, the measure thereof. Says verse six, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Uh, in other words, uh, uh, the sockets is what the Hebrew says. What's, what's holding it up? Who laid the cornerstone thereof? I made all this. You see the planets and everything we got. And we look at this is all for for you guys, for mankind. And one day, after we're all where redemption takes place. Those that are going to be his for eternity, all that's going to be rolled up like a scroll. The heavens are going to roll up just like a scroll. It's going to be gone. The planets, everything, all this stuff, and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. That will happen one day. On to the redemption. Right now, they're there. All for us. Where were you when that happened, dude? And verse 7 says, When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God, that is speaking of angels, shouted for joy. It's interesting. Science has determined that stars actually have a pitch. They're up there with, with they have a sound to them. Maybe what this is speaking of, the morning star. Some say the morning star part is also speaking of angels. I think it's talking about morning stars. In the Hebrew language, it says morning stars. And indeed, they have a pitch. They're singing together, creation out there, singing. We didn't used to understand that, but now we understand they have a pitch to it. And he speaks to the sons of God, these angels. When God created the earth, they shouted for joy. So in other words, that shows us, and we don't see a lot of spots in the scripture, but this makes it very clear. The angels were here before God created the earth. Before he created the heavens and the earth, angels were around, including Satan. He was in the mix. And what did they do? Including Satan, when God created it, because it says how many of them? It says all, all the angels. What did they do? They shouted, the Hebrew is in jubilation. Enjoy at his creation. This is great, God. What you're doing is create a world. Yes. And they're shouting with joy. And the morning stars are, are having a pitch. Uh, their sound go out. Amazing. Our God. Where were you? 
Verse 8 says, Or who shut up the sea with doors when it broke forth as if it had issued out of the womb? When I made the cloud garment thereof in thick darkness and swaddling band for it. And broke up for it my decreed place and set bars and doors. And said, hitherto, in other words, here shall you come, but no farther, no further. And here shall your proud waves be stayed, speaking to the oceans, how far they go. And where the waves go, they can only go this far. So who made sure the ocean didn't cover the whole earth? Who set his boundaries? We have this thing called the water cycle. Amazing. How the water does its thing and is evaporated, okay, spends its time off the clouds, and uh, this whole system to take care of the whole planet. And uh, eventually the water gets heavy enough that it comes down. It's amazing, and the scientists still don't understand uh, the way God has designed this because uh, it's heavy enough to come down. Why, why aren't they all these raindrops crushing us? It's, it's that heavy, right? Um. Amazing, God's water cycle. He's saying, you don't understand the physical universe, do. You don't understand these things. How can you determine morality? All these assumptions you're making. Also, Job, I love you. And I thought I can set limits for physical stuff. Saying, you can only go this far. Your illness, I can do the same thing. I can say, you're only going to go this far. And I can pull it back anytime I want. I am a powerful. I am almighty. Verse 12. Hast thou commanded morning since thy days and caused the day spring to know its place? Job, have you uh, got up in the morning and say, hey, okay, I'm up. Come up, son. I want it to be sun right now. Have you done that? No, I do that. I determine when the sun comes up. I've set the whole system around the world that it comes up and it's time that I have appointed for it. That, verse 13, it might take hold of the ends of the earth. That the wicked might be shaken out of it. It is turned as clay to the seal. And they stand as a garment. And from the wicked, their light is withholden. And the high arm shall be broken. Has thou entered in the springs of the sea? Or has thou walked in the search of the depth, the abyss here says here? In the Hebrew... Speaking of the spring of the sea, it, it says the seeping of the sea. What is this? We didn't understand this for the longest time. God had all this stuff in his ancient book. We're going to see lots of things dealing with science that was there in the most ancient of all writings. And we've just recently discovered it. Just more proof of the Bible's real. We don't need more proof. We've got plenty out there. But the Bible proves itself over and over and over again. So what's this seeping of the sea, the springs of the sea? Well, they have determined, scientists, that at the bottom of the ocean floor, there are places 
where new water comes in. Fresh water. Fresh water bubbling up. Some places it's, it's hot. Hot springs, right? And it comes up. Some uh, In some cultures, they've learned to get water. Some people go diving for water because they know the fresh water near the bottom. Some will go down there to get it. This is amazing. God speaking of his genius. And what do you have of this, this water that's popping up, this fresh water into the bottom of the ocean floor? What is it doing? It's cleaning. Sometimes you'll have different fish, different creatures of the sea go down there. Why? Because the oxygen levels are higher. And they're getting a free car wash too, right? Free, free cleaning, a body wash. God's genius. Verse 17. Have the gates of death been opened un unto you? Job, you've been speaking about dying and all these things. Do you, do you know anything about it? Are you aware of the unseen, the unseen realm, where the dead go? Are you, have you opened it? Have you been there? Or it says, however, have you seen the doors of the shadows of death? See, Job talked about death, right? He said, I wish I would never have been born. It'd be better if I had never been born. And, and God, you're, you're going to take me to the place of Sheol. But his understanding of death was not clear. He said, May the, I'll go there and then, then I'll have rest for a little while. I'll rest. Well, you don't really understand it, Job. There's no rest in the grave. We are eternal beings. You see, the Jehovah's Witnesses in the Seventh day Advent have uh, taken passages out of Job. Job said, for this, this idea of soul sleep, that once we die, we go into this resting period called soul sleep. The Bible doesn't speak of such thing. In fact, that where they take it out, of, they take it out of the book of Job, of Job's words. And Job was not speaking correctly. God's saying, hey, you don't understand this stuff. Yet they quote it um, in those religions. God's saying to Job, you have no clue about it. Now, the Bible was correct on what Job spoke. They recorded it correctly. But I'll let you in on a little secret. It's not really a secret. But everything in the Bible is not true. What do you mean everything's in the Bible is not true? Everything's accurate. Absolutely. It's 100% accurate. But some things people say in the Bible are lies. The lies are recorded 100% accurately. And in Job's case, he said things that he knew. He did assumptions that he didn't know of. And God says, hey, do you really understand the shadow of death? Do you understand what's going on? Have you seen the unseen? Job did not understand. We understand because we have the scripture. We got the story of the rich man, right? Rich man, and uh, he, he was blessed on the earth. But Lazarus was poor, right? And the rich he had all his rewards on the earth and ended up in hell. Lazarus ended up in a place called Abraham's bosom, where he's comforted. And the rich man is down there and he's looking over. I guess apparently they could see. He couldn't cross, but he could see. And Abraham said, Abraham, please let Lazarus, uh, uh, what he just some water down here. I'm just dying of thirst here. I'm, I'm being tormented. Things are bad. And Abraham said, no. Well, will you at least go and warn my, 
warn people, warn my family, warn the people I care about. Abraham said no. If they, if they didn't believe the things that are happening already, they're not going to believe. There was a separation. Job didn't understand that. It's not this place of rest. It's not soul sleep. No, those that went into, into this place called hell, okay? It, it, it was torment immediately. Now Abraham's bosoms there on the other side is a gulf, a partition, where Jesus emptied out. He took those from Abraham's bosom. When he died on the cross, he emptied that out. And then now present with the Lord. But those that don't didn't have faith in him are still in this place called hell. Which one day will be thrown into the lake of fire after the judgment. Job, you don't you don't understand that, do you? Verse 18. Hast thou perceived the breadth of the earth? Can you measure it? Declare it if you know it all. Where is the way where light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? Can you tell me where light comes from? Or darkness? Do you understand? There's some interesting stuff with light. I guess uh, some in science are understanding that light seems to be slowing down, which is very interesting. Okay, so a lot of it's way over my head uh, as far as science. I'm over history guy, but uh, some of the stuff's just mind blowing because light is connected to time, how time is measured. And we're, we're, we're human beings are in time and space. Okay, we deal with that. God's outside of that. He doesn't have to deal with time and space. We do. But if light is slowing down, what does that mean? What's happening to time? You can uh, do your own research on that, but it's interesting. I'm saying, do you understand where light comes, where it dwells? And for darkness, we're in the place thereof. That you should take it to the bound thereof, and that you should know the past from the house thereof. Knowest thou it? Because thou was then born? Or because the number of your days is great? Are you that old uh, that you were around during then? Verse 22, has thou entered in the treasures of the snow? Or has thou seen the treasures of the hail? God's using all these physical things that he created to, to send a message to Job of who he is. What about snow, Job? Do you know what I've done to snow? I've created snowflakes that every single one has six points, beautiful, symmetrical, because every snowflake with six points has, they all have 60 degree angles. But yet, not a single one of them is like another. You understand this, Joe? Look, look at the, look how magnificent I designed things and everything. In this universe, diverse and and has different purposes. Verse twenty-three. Speaking of the hail, the treasures of the hail, which I have reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war. God's got a purpose for hail. We see it sometimes. That's one purpose during a thunderstorm. But it says here he's he's preserved it. 
God's got a plan. He's preserving it for the day of battle. So there's some future stuff. God's saying, I've got a plan. And we'll see it as we continue to go through the scripture that in the day of Joshua, and when he's battling, God sends hail during the war, during, the, during that warfare. God it ain't going to be the only time. God will use hail again. You read the Ezekiel battle of 38, Ezekiel 38. And that Ezekiel 38 invasion, hail will be involved. And the great tribulation, God is preserving hail for that as well. The great tribulation, the church won't be there. I hope you're a part of it. But those that will be there, they'll be hail. And it says the size of it will be 120 pounds. Picture 120 pounds hail coming on. You've seen what little golf ball size can do damages to cars, different things. How about 120 pound hail coming down? By what, verse 24, by what way is the light parted? What scatters the east wind upon the earth? Who has divided a water course for the overflowing waters away for the lightning of thunder? God's saying, who, who has made a path like this great storm coming? Where's all this water going to go? So the people are taken care of. I made things. There's trenches. There's the way a water course can go. I've done that. Verse 26. Speaking of the lightning and the thunder to cause it to rain on the earth where no man is. On the wilderness wherein there is no man. To satisfy the desolate and waste ground. And to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth. Has the rain a father? Or who has begotten the drops of dew? Out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven? Who has gendered it? Who's caused it to happen? The waters are hid as with a stone. And the face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades? Or loose the bands of Orion? Speaking of the, 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 the constellations here. The winter constellations. You got, you got Pleiades and loose the bands of Orion. Orion's belt there. Canst thou, verse 32, bring forth Nazareth in its season? And canst thou guard and guide Arcturus with his sons? Maseroth, the, the, the zodiac signs. And act Arcturus here. Arcturus is pretty interesting. It says, can you guide it? Arcturus, also known as the great bear. What they call that star is the runaway star. Why? Because it's running away. It travels faster. It, it, it's, it's, it's growing at an extremely fast pace. And it's gigantic, by the way. God says, you're, you're just Job. You're a man. I'm God. I, I'm doing many things at once. Including Arcturus, this, this runaway star. What, would you like to hop on and drive this thing anyways? Okay, I'm in control. This gigantic thing, I'm driving it. All right, it's running away. It's going really, really fast. But yet, I'm making sure it doesn't cause all this damage. 
Hey, I got a path for everything. I I'm controlling all the whole universe, dude. You're getting the perspective of who I am? Verse 33. Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds? An abundance of waters may cover thee. Canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, Here we are. Who has put wisdom in the inward part? Who has given understanding to the heart? How do you even how, how do you even have the ability to learn things, Joe? How does your mind work, the brain, all the circuits, all the stuff that goes there? I mean, how are you even able to do that? Do you understand DNA, Joe? I put certain information. There's a digital code in here. I mean, that's something evolutionists cannot argue. DNA is code. If you have a computer and there's code there, somebody put that code there. Somebody put the unique codes in every single one of us that said, I want this person to be this. I want per that person to be that. We are all uniquely designed in the image of God with his specific characteristics. He thought of every one of us individually. We are beautifully and wonderfully made. God did that. Do you understand that? Do you understand my design and your capacity to even have wisdom? Who created that? Verse 37. Who can number the clouds in wisdom? Or who can stay the bottles of heaven? I mean, what is it's like a like a uh, like the Hebrew says crock, like a crock pot. Okay. It says, and what God's ready, that crock, who's gonna he's gonna tip it over, right? Who can who can who can keep it from tipping over? When God wants that rain to come, it's gonna come. Verse 38, when the dust grows into hardness and the clods cleave fast together. Will you hunt the prey? So Verse 39, many believe, should be in chapter 39. And it makes sense because it changes from the physical to speaking about uh, the creation of, uh, speaking about animals and using animals to make, um, show Job how unique and different. And you see a diversity of animals here. So verse 39 says, will you hunt the prey for the lion? If Job's responsibility was to make sure the lion had food, the lion would, lion would die. Job couldn't do that. He says, will you hunt the prey for the lion or feel the appetite of the young lions when they couch in their dens and abide in the, the covert to lie in wait? Who provideth for the raven his food when his young ones cry unto God? They wander for lack of meat. Chapter 39, knowest thou the time when the wild goats the wild goats here. Um, it's it in the Hebrew language. It's talking about the ibex. Okay, and these ibex are pretty amazing. They can be they're on, on around cliffs, right? And you think, what's that guy doing there? But they they are stable. They don't fall off. Those wild goats it says uh, the ibex, knowing that about the time when the ibex of the rock is up there, bring forth 
Or can thou mark when the hinds, um, the, the deer here, do calf? Can you do that? Can thou number the months that they fulfill the gestation period? Um, do you know how long? It's amazing. Some some animals, uh, gestation. Some people are uh, some animals are pregnant up to two years, right? Human beings got nine months. Uh, different animals. It depends on the animal. God has diversity. See, God didn't just say uniform for everything. All His creation is unique. Different purposes. Different things, and God, it's very creative in his design, God. Do you know this, Job? Or or do you know it's the time when they were bring forth the months here? Verse 3, they bow themselves, they bring forth their young ones, they cast out their sorrows. Their young ones are in good liking. They grow up with the corn, they go forth and return not unto them. Who has sent out the wild donkey free? Well, who has loosed the bands of the wild donkey here? In other words, Job, I created this wild donkey to be wild for a reason. You're not going to domesticate him. Okay, this is speaking of the wild donkey. It won't be domesticated no matter how hard you try. I created him this way. And he's out here, this wild donkey. He says, verse 6, whose house I have made the wilderness. And the barren land, this dwelling, see, he survives on very little. But I put him out here in that, that habitat. And he can do that. Verse 7. He scorns the multitude of the city. Neither regards the cry of the driver. The range of the mountains, speaking of the donkey, is his pasture. And he searches after every green thing, trying to find something. And he survives. God designed him that way. Will the King James word here, unicorn, it's not actually a unicorn. It says, will the unicorn be willing to serve thee or abide by thy crib? Okay, some translate, the King James has unicorn, which is wrong. There's no such thing as a unicorn the way we understand unicorn. Okay, the, and all the kids, my little pony, mystical shows, all this stuff. There's no such thing as a unicorn. Okay. Now, some translates this as a wild ox. That's also not what the Hebrew says. Although there is an aspect of wild ox that it may be, but it's not wild ox as we understand it. What is this creature? The Hebrew translates it as U-R-U-S, a urus, which I don't really know what that is. Um, some also um, take this to be what's called a urox. Okay. A yorox is a large wild ox. I'm not talking, it's not a wild ox like we understand. This is a huge thing. All right. It's like, uh, think size of elephants. Okay. This is how big this thing is. A yorox. Um, if it is the yorox, what it's just speaking of, which we're not sure, we're not actually sure what the Hebrew word is, but this is the one that makes the most sense uh, in the language and, and, and where we see scholars look at it. If it is a yorox, it was killed out in 1627. Some believe that, anyways. Verse 10. But he's, he's talking about the diversity of all these creatures with different abilities. Verse 10. Can thou bind that 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 Eurox the unicorn with his band in the furrow? Or will he uh herald a valley after you? Is he is he gonna serve you? Are you gonna go out there and he's gonna plow for you? I don't think so. Yeah, that's not the way this one's gonna work. I designed him this way. Verse 11, 
Will thou trust him because his strength is great? Will thou leave thy labor to him? Is he going to do your work? Will thou believe him that he will bring home thy seed and gather it into your barn? Gavest thou the goodly wings unto the peacocks, or wings and feathers unto the ostrich, which leaves her eggs in the earth and warms them in the dust, and forgets that the foot may crush them, or that the wild beast may break them? She, she is hardened against her young ones, as though they were not hers. Her labor is in vain without fear, because God has deprived her of wisdom. Neither hath he imparted to her understanding. What time she lifted up herself on high, she scorns the horse and his rider. God is saying, consider the ostrich. Here's a good one, Joe. I'm God. I create things how I want them. And if I want something to do a certain thing, I'm going to do that. Whether it be a big wild ox, be the ibex, be the donkey. Maybe, uh, what about the ostrich? I created the ostrich on purpose, Job, to be dumb, to be stupid. That's the way I created it. So much that when it has its born in the eggs, he just leaves in there. They're not protected. Something can come along and just step on it. In fact, I created him so that those eggs are there. But the ostrich has no motherly care, no, no, no parental care for those eggs. They cares not. This is how I created the ostrich. Do you understand this? I've done all these unique things, Job. Do you understand the stupidity of the ostrich and how I made them? I get, I, I gave them wings, but they can't fly. What do you think of that, Job? I gave them wings, but they can't fly. God lays it out. So God says, I designed an ostrich to be silly. Why? It's my sovereignty. That's the way I wanted to make the ostrich. But I also gave him abilities because he can't fly and he's kind of dumb. I gave him abilities to run faster than a horse. At first, they'll try to bury themselves, right? But next, if they have to, they'll run. And an ostrich can run up to 40 miles per hour. I gave them that ability. That's what he says right here. Verse 18, what time she lifts up herself on high, she scorns the horse and his rider. A horse won't be able to keep up. A horse can go between 25 and 35 miles per hour. An ostrich can go 40. Verse 19. Has thou given the horse strength? Has thou clothed his neck with thunder? This is speaking of the war horse, ready for battle, that thunder, ready to go. It says, Canst thou make him afraid as a grasshopper? You know, you get closer to a grasshopper, they'll hop away, right? Are you going to make the horse this way? No, this is the way that I've designed this war horse. It says, Have you clothed his neck with thunder? Can you make him afraid as a grasshopper? The glory of his nostrils is terrible. He's awesome. He's ready to go. Storing away. Ready for battle. It says, he paws in the valley, verse 21. Rejoices in his strength. He goes on to meet the armed man. Okay, there's an armed man coming at him, but he's not slowing down. The war horse is going. He's going to meet him. It says, he mocks at fear. Here's the fear. Huh, no big deal. And it's not a frightened. Neither turns he back from the sword. The sword, no big deal. I'm going to keep going. The quiver rattleth against him, the glittering spear and the shield. 
He swalloweth the ground with fierceness and rage. Neither believes he that it is the sound of the trumpet. Sound of the trumpet doesn't, it's going to slow him down because it says in verse 25, he says among the trumpets, ha, ha. And he smells the battle afar off and the thunder of the captains are shouting. The trumpets are blaring. He's ready to go. Okay, he's going to pick up the pace. He's, he, this is the war horse. Do you see how I made them, Job? Then it goes on to vultures here. And vultures in the King James, it speaks to the different of that group. It says, does the hawk fly by thy wisdom and stretch her wings toward the south? Does the eagle mount up at thy command and make her nest on high? She dwelleth and abideth on the rock, upon the crag of the rock, and the strong place. From thence she seeketh the prey, and her eyes behold afar off. Her young ones also suck up blood, and where the slain are, there is she. So notice here the diversity of animals. God created them, he created them all unique. I mean, you think of the ostrich, and he made them silly on purpose. And then he makes the war horse to be brave. Then he thinks, he makes the ibex. The wild donkey that can't be domesticated. It makes the birds of the air. All these things. It makes, the, and you go back to creation. It says he makes the, the sea with his seepings at the bottom of the ocean. And he tells her how far it can go. You look at the stars. You look at every part. God is in control. He's steering. Arcturus, he's steering the great bear. He's taking care of everything. God says, I made one this way and another totally opposite. Can you tame these animals, Joe? You tame them enough to do your work, tame them enough to get what you want out of them. Can you tame them? No way you can. How about this, Job? Can you tame me? Can you tame me? Lying the Witch in the Wardrobe, the Chronicles of Narnia. I love that story. I love those books. C.S. Lewis picturing the Bible throughout it. And Aslan's a picture of God. I think it's Lucy that says he's not a tame lion, but he's a good lion. You get that? He's not tame, but he's good. God is good. He's not tame, though. He's strong. He is mighty. He, he does things, and his judgment will come one day. God's Saying to Job, here's what you need. I know you've done some stuff, but I'm not even going to mention that. What you need, Job, is you need to know who I am. That'll clear everything up for you. Thank you all for joining us for this week's Steadfast Podcast. And if you're one that is struggling with circumstances in your life, wondering why is this happening? I don't understand. Try so hard. What you need is the same thing Job needs. Maybe God will give you the answer to why. What's more important is understanding the who, understanding who God is, and that this God made all these things, and he's controlling them, and he, 
Everything's working in its proper order. God's steering things. Including your life, if you let him. If you're going through something rough and you are his, I hope you trust him more and keep leaning on him, not your own understanding. Everything that goes on in your life, acknowledge him in his path. He will direct you. I hope you trust him more. That's what this book's about, revelation. Knowing God more and knowing that there are some things that are happening that we just don't understand. But yeah, God is doing something and it's magnificent. And one day we'll be blown away by the, by the things that God did. Let's close in a word of prayer. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for your word, your word that we can study every week here. I thank you for those that are listening. I pray that they would continue to dig into your word, whether it be on this podcast, our Sunday service, our Wednesday service, their own private devotionals. Lord, will you pour out unto them? Help them to know who you are. That's what we need to know. We can gain a lot of information in this world. But information is not what we need. We need to know who you are. And that puts us in the right perspective. We thank you for your son who died on the cross for us. That we may be forgiven. And can have an eternal relationship with you, Lord. I thank you that I am saved. And I pray for those that may be listening that haven't surrendered to you. That today would be the day they surrender to you and be set free. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you all next week on the Steadfast Podcast.